if somebody has the courage to have the difficult conversation and say, listen, we're better than this. Right. My life depends on your life, my success on your success. Straighten up. I'll help you get there. We'll do it together. But we're not going to allow this this sub-level of performance anymore. And, and if, if it is, go find another firehouse because we're better than that. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. It is Weekly Scrap number 64. My special guest tonight is Chief Scott Thompson. I make no bones about it. He is one of my heroes, and I tell him every time I have, on, I have, I have met him. So, first and foremost, he is a firefighter who has served at every level and currently holds the position of fire chief at the colony uh, in Texas. And he has written one of my favorite fire service books. I'll pull it out here. i got a lot of books in front of me. But <laughs> The Functional Fire Company, uh, he is a sought-after speaker and presenter on the topic of culture and leadership. And basically, I, I try to condense it down into a very condensed intro. And it's hard. And to I'm do not that, Bobby Halton. I'm, I wish I was, but I'm not. I'm not as witty, and I don't have the memory as Bobby Halton. So let's make that clear now. There it is. Welcome to Weekly Scrap number 64, Chief. Thanks, Corley, for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. I always have fun on your show, so I'm looking for another fun, uh, fun evening and getting in the weeds. One of my favorites um, is diving off into uh, rabbit holes and... Well, I, I, Mike Walker came on and he, we were going to talk about John Boyd. And one of the things he said to me was, uh, is people going to be bored if we just talk about the OODA loops and stuff? And I was like, I'm completely the wrong guy to ask. Cause I promise you, I can do it for 30, 40, 50 hours at a time. So, which is referenced in what we're going to talk right about on. tonight. So. so I'm excited, man. This is one of those focus scraps. So I'm super excited. Uh, like all of them, uh, to everyone watching live, tuning in, coming in here, they're, co- they're climbing in. If you have questions for Chief Thompson or myself, please don't hesitate to send them in the comments as we go through this. Um, did I miss anything in the intro? Anything you want to add? No, no. Just just glad to be here and um, ready to have, have a good conversation. No, you hit it all. You are official, I think. The very you're the first person to come back as a second time guest that wasn't oh. because of audio issues that messed up their first first visit. So I'm, I'm honored. There it is, and I'll come on anytime you invite me. There it is. Hey, pr- be careful what you say because anytime I have a cancellation, <laughs> I'm going to be picking up the phone. So here we go. I joked on social media when I was hyping the show. I said uh, that I had a lot of homework to do for this one, and that's because we're like you said we're talking about. The MCDP number seven learning came out earlier this year. And of course, if I haven't Scott Thompson on, I have to brush up on the functional fire company. And then with everything going on right now on the society for mentorship, I've been reading the formal mentoring, which we're going to get to and talk about. So a lot of stuff to, to delve into. And the crazy part chief is which what I was talking to you about before we started is uh, I had two young guys that are part of our training um, committee on the in in our fire in our in our department talking about trying to start an fto a uh, fire training officer type uh and it was crazy we were talking about how can we get this going what can we do how do we build it to where it's prestigious how do we make it to where it continues beyond just our energy and things like that and while they're talking to me i realized that the blueprint for it was sitting in my backpack right beside me and i ended up printing two copies of this out and giving it to him and, and going from there so it's crazy how things work and go in circles 
Well, uh, you know, hopefully they'll find value in it. I'm glad glad you were able to, to hand it to them, and, and, and they'll make good use of it, I'm sure. No, they're going to take advantage. They're, they're some go-getters, so it's going to be good times. I'm framing you up here. <clears throat> Perfect. Doing the technical side of things as we get going. And, you, and you'll probably say it, but while you're doing that, if anybody wants that document, uh, they can go to fireserviceleadership.com. It's, it's for free. Uh, you'll see my book. Just go to all products, and you got to enter a little information. That's the only way I could get it done. But feel free to go there and download. I think we've had just over three thousand downloads in in two or three weeks. So please um, go do that and and use it any way you want. The only thing I ask is that you just don't use it for profit. Um, I'm not charging, so I don't want somebody to just change your name and start, you know, charging two thousand dollars a day to do a right. mentoring class. Just just do a PowerPoint slide presentation for it. Not that that would ever happen, right? Right, never. Awesome, man. Uh, here we go. We're breaking off into it. Um, I start. I'm going to start before we get to learning. I'm going to start with the article you posted today in the Society for Fire Service Mentors, uh, and that was that Jeff Bezos article on successful culture, and basically his four steps in in that in that article that he wrote. And I'm not trying to dive off deep into that article. Uh, and you can, if any, any of the things you want to bring up, go ahead. My whole point that I took away from the article was identifying where you want to be. And that's what led to those steps. Once you could identify what success looked like or what, uh, the end was supposed to look like. Well, and we've talked about that before. Every time I approach something, I, I take the same approach and I have it on my whiteboard and you've probably seen it. And at the top, it said, Start with the end in mind and why, if not this, what? Yeah, love but that. the reason I posted the article is is every one of those four steps talks about standards and how standards, you know, are based on once you define what success looks like, whether you're a company officer defining, uh, defining company officer success, a battalion chief, battalion success, a fire chief, department success, then you can work backwards and identify the standards knowledge, skills, abilities, attitude, standards um, necessary to get there. And, and I believe, based on research and, and just a lot of years of doing this, that a, a, lot of, a lot of the reason why people get frustrated, whether they're training or they're in a new leadership role or whatever it is, is that they don't know what the end game looks like. So every day they come into the firehouse and, and they, they want to do good. They're passionate, man. They're motivated and they want to move the company or the battalion or the department but they just don't, they don't know where they're going. It's like shooting a gun and, and no target. And, and so, you know, whether we talk about culture or, or performance improvement, standards have got to be a part of that formula. And so that's what I really liked about it. You know, standards, you know, the, the realize, I, I think uh, uh, he talked about, you know, realistic expectations yes. when you're developing standards, they can't be a daydream. So all those things are essential. And the cool things about standards is, you can you can uh, define them, describe them, obviously perform them. You can evaluate them and improve them. So the the second part of that that th- that saying that I had, if not this, what? If you don't have standards, what do you have? What do you have? Suggestions, best practices, opinions, amorphous ideas that kind of float yeah, out there. Yeah, and, and I think that's what a majority of the fire service exists in: great intentions, great people but they don't have a clear path of, of, of where they want to go or how to get there. And, and I just don't, I don't know how you, you achieve the things you want to achieve if you don't have that. 
No, and I'm that goes gonna... into the mentoring. You know, mentoring and coaching are the human interface portion of it that gets you there. I love it. And how if you if you don't have an identification of what success is, how can you even set a standard? Is is really just melt it down. And that's one thing that me and Chief both want to ask the viewers is how do you measure success where you are at? Whether it be the company level, battalion level, department level, or personal level. So if you have an idea I'm, I'm gonna put a go ahead. I'm gonna put a clause to that. You can't use the phrase the fire went out and everybody went home. That's that's a desired outcome, but that does not define success. And I'm sorry for everybody. I just pissed off for saying that. I love it. And that's not the first time I've heard it. So <laughs> awesome. All right. So are you ready, chief? I'm getting yeah. my green MCDP number seven. Yeah. So I was going to just read the whole for forward, but I just, I'll just tell you guys that and I showed chief this earlier that the whole forward written by the Marine commandant, the Marine force commandant, I get his title, right? Uh, D.H. Berger, Commandant of the Marine Corps. And all I did was, and not to deface the book, was I whited out every bit that said Marine or combat and changed it to firefighting or firefighter. And it reads so beautifully. And it's the purpose of the book. <clears throat> it, can be a, it can be part of your training manual, part of a promotional process. You, you remove the word Marine, put in firefighter, and it, it, it works. 100%. So... Here we go, Chief. Time to deep dive into this, and um, where do you want to start? Well, I just made a few notes here. I didn't want this to turn into a book report, but one of the things starting off is is they, they give a definition of, of learning, and because I'm not Bobby Halt and I can't remember things like he does, I, I made some notes, but they talk about learning as developing knowledge and skills. Okay, that's given, but the Marine Corps add attitude in there, and, and this is really the first recognition uh, that I've seen in a definition, the importance of attitude. And I think we would all agree how critical it is, but it says learning and developing knowledge, skills, and attitude through study, experience, and instruction. So, so that, that was a big part of it. Uh, and I think that kind of frames out what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes when we, when we get a little bit more into it. And that's what crazy is. Cause one of the first notes, I put post-it notes in here for things I wanted to, to bring up to you was, the Alfred M. Gray's quote right at the beginning said, what you did isn't as important as what you were thinking. What you were thinking. Straight to the attitude of it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. yep. And uh, 100%. So uh, Dirk Janiak has chimed in and said, if you don't put water on the fire, it will burn out eventually. That is not a measurement for success. Amen, bro. Amen. Amen. So, getting wizard And if you don't include the people who are sitting on the curb when everybody goes home, when we go back to the firehouse and you're leaving them in the rain sitting on the curb, well, then we can't say everybody went home. Yeah, everybody didn't go home. Giving them a card for the Salvation Army doesn't count. Yeah. All yeah. right. Um, right here. I get to my next note. These principles, the learning principles for Marine, the key principles of learning – like you said, try not to make it a book report, just bringing up things. But there are five of them here that I thought were the core of this book, especially mm -hmm. the first half. Know yourself and seek improvement. Okay, so stop at each one of those because I made a note after Okay, that. yes. So to do that right there involves coaching and mentoring. So so we tie in that. So go ahead. So know yourself and seek, seek self-improvement. That's a big, you know, all leaders are coaches and hopefully they're mentors. That's a, that's a part of it. Mentors are coaches. Coaches aren't always mentors, Love it. but that's, that's a big part of the mentoring form is helping the candidate or the learner 
understand themselves better in the environment that they're in. So go, go ahead with number two, but I, I kind of added those after each no, one. No, no, 100%. We're on the same page. Uh, be ready and willing to learn. Mentoring. You know, that that's a huge responsibility of a mentor is to prepare the learner to to learn, to 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 be motive to, to motivate them um, to better themselves. Understand why you are learning, which goes straight to your three Connect questions. Yes. Mental maps, mental models. Provide and receive constructive feedback. Coaching. Coaching. Somebody does something and it's either positive or it's constructive. Hold your hands like this, move, you know, it's it's the technique level stuff that gets us to, to really improve the overall skill. And what I love about this is to provide and receive and the provide the provide side most of us don't have a problem with that especially when we're competent and when we're knowledgeable it's the receive, it's the receive side and that's where that ego gets in the way so and then finally the last step is learning is purpose driven to develop professional competence and that's culture that your culture values <laughs> that and and there you go and and those are pretty basic things but they're huge in the learning process all right, we got questions coming at you, so I'm going to interrupt this to throw stuff at you because I love doing it. <laughs> First of all, Jared Serge, I said, glad I caught this. I've been wanting to hear him speak for a while. Jared, if you have not got a chance to catch him, uh, yeah. It's not as good as the in-live person real deal, but we're there. We're close. Um, Zach Glass has chimed in and said, Chief Thompson, just read your formal mentor program book. Great info. One thing I wanted to ask, besides the pride involved in your being a mentor in your department, is there any, I got to open this up and see more. He, he had a, he wrote a lot here. Is there any other way to signify those involved such as different tetrahedron colors, shirts, FTO title, et cetera. Thanks for the info. Hey, that, that's a great idea. You know, mentoring can be a subculture. Your, your mentors can develop their own subculture. And part of that is, is symbols and artifacts. So man, I think, I think that's great. Um, it's, it's a way to recognize. It's, it's a way for them to kind of stand out. Now, a lot of chiefs don't agree with that. You know, we're one team. We're a tribe. Don't separate us out from under the fire department name. But I, I think that's a great idea, and that's not something I've really thought about, but I may steal that from you. Like, I like it. Mm-hmm. The uh, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to wrap my head around a chief who would not. I don't know. Okay. Oh, I, I hear it all the time. And, and you know, uh, uh, you think about it. A fire company takes the time. They get together. They develop a logo. What represents us? Our work ethic, our commitment, our aggressiveness, whatever it is. And, and then they pay to get it, you know, drawn up, colors, do all that stuff. I've said this on one of the podcasts. And then they, they get the other two shifts to buy in, and then they take it to the chief and say, here, this is us. This right. is, this is 100%, you know, yes. we want a brand. We're That's, still part of yes. the XYZ fire department. But, but we want to we want to stand out a little bit. And the chief said, oh, you know, no, this is it. Well, you've just crushed some incentive, a little bit of motivation. And what are they going to do? They're going to go back to the firehouse. They're going to crumble it up, throw it in the trash and say, oh, well, we tried. At and, best. And, and, yeah. And we're really we're promoting, you know, being average. I, I mean, I think that's huge initiative. Now, we can't go crazy. And it, the company's got to earn it. If they're not a high-performance fire company, if they're a bunch of mutts and all they're worried about is coming up with cool T-shirts and logos, that doesn't work. But okay. but if, if we put in the work and, and we put in the effort, and, man, we're kind of a go-to fire company, we're special forces, man. Let's let's put, put a patch, a hat, a shirt on. 
Love a sticker on the on the company that says what we're about. All right, we're gonna get this. The uh, we're gonna get a copy of this podcast to every five bugle chief across the country. Oh yeah, and I'll sign my name to it. I already uh, get enough hate mail from chiefs. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, uh, Hannah Elliott, the uh, the OG. Question. I've never heard that name before. Right. <laughs> she said page one eleven. So she's she's done her homework already. Page one eleven, first paragraph of MCDP seven. The second principle states: A marine's learning can be facilitated by developing an awareness and understanding of one's own thought process. Why is understanding one's own thought process a necessary component? Okay, if you read on further, they talk about gaps, surfaces, yes. and gaps. Okay, let's relate that to the fire service. In in the book, they talk about that being the enemy's strengths and weaknesses. So doing this self-assessment and understanding that helps us do a self-assessment on our strengths and our weaknesses, our surfaces and our gaps. Now, that's pretty huge in the performance formula. If, if we want to be better, you know, there's something called deliberate practice. And deliberate practice, every time you go out and perform – you're getting out of your comfort zone, right? Well, if you don't under, understand your capabilities and your limitations, your surfaces and your gaps, then you don't know what to work on. What is your comfort zone? It kind sure. of goes back to what is success. You know, we can go out and pull hose all day long. We're just doing the same thing, and, and, and we're, not, we're not getting out of our comfort zone, and we think that that's good practice. Well, that's called naive practice. If you do the same thing over and over again and you have the expectation of getting better, the science says that's not going to happen. So, so that I, to me, I think Hannah, that's kind of kind of what you're what you're saying there. It's understanding yourself, your thought process, how you process information, mental imagery, mental models, mental mapping, and turning that into performance where we see it on the fire ground or in training or wherever. And, and kind of what you're saying is just avoiding that that mental. Uh, echo chamber or that skills echo chamber is almost what I'd want to say. If it's not right up here, it's not going to be right when it gets to the performance. If, if the, the, the image of correctness is not correct in the mind, the performance is not going to be correct. So we have to start in the head before we can get it to our hands, feet and body straight to those surfaces and gaps. Uh, Howard Reinwald said innovation just went in the trash with that logo when that chief says no. Uh, Mike Rock, to be a learner, one must possess humility. Without humility, the receiver will never accept the message from the coach or mentor 100%. And it has to be okay. And, and, and a big thing, like Mike's saying, it ha- you have to create a culture where it's okay to fail, especially in training. It's part of the learning process. And while Chief Reinwald is on here, jumping ahead a little bit where they talk about uh, technical and tactical proficiency. The first line is Marines begin the pursuit of mastery by developing brilliance in the basics. There it is. And uh, I know chief uh, Ronwald has a class specific to that. So the Marines support that chief. hundred percent. I'm going to catch Ronwald's class in Vegas. I just told my wife, book it and we're going out there a because it's Vegas and B because it's Ronwald. And of course, uh, so uh, I don't know if he's doing brilliance in the basics or the, um, when seconds count, but either way, I'm happy. So let me know which one it is, but, uh, more questions coming at you. And this one is from Alex Marin. He said, sir, how do you buffer the divide caused by distinguishing FTOs, go getters, or the elite from the normal everyday firefighter who sees it as a club or just another phase from the younger generation? Again, that's got to go back to the culture. And when, and when I say culture and, and I hate to be repetitive, but we got to, we got to look at this. You have the organization, and then you have the subculture, which can be the battalion or division. But, but what we're really talking about is the microculture, the fire company, in the firehouse where the work gets done. 
what is that microculture value? Those people are a product of their environment. For every chit bag, whatever you want to call them, the environment's allowed that to happen. For everybody who's an underperformer, there's a senior man or woman, a company officer, a battalion chief, an ops chief, and a fire chief that's allowed that to exist, okay? If I'm the fire chief, I set the vision and I have this expectation for standards and the level of service that our system, our fire department is going to deliver. And I trust that my operations chief, my battalion chiefs, my company officers, and the senior men and women are going to work to achieve that. And, and we got to hold them accountable. Let's talk about standards again. So in a vacuum, if that stuff doesn't exist, by human nature, unless you're, you're just a self-motivated person, people take the path of least resistance if we're allowed to. That's, that's just the way it is. And any coach will tell you that even in professional sports. So it's all about what the culture values and what the environment either promotes or deters. So again, we go right back to where we started, which like Jeff Bezos' article, identification and the identification of those standards and what's what's going to be allowed. You know, we always want to say, "Oh, this fireman is a piece of you know piece of crap. Sure. He doesn't do anything." Well, how many people allowed him or her to get to that point? And I learned this from you, and I don't know if it's your saying or where you got it from, but drift towards failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. And, and, and I call it a drift right. because it doesn't happen all at once. No one makes Nobody a choice. Yeah, great. Yeah, great to terrible, you know. But there's another great book there. Um, uh, you uh, you teach what you accept. Um, I, I, I've given it to you before, and it's actually on our promotional process. Um, so so yeah, it, it's a drift. You start to slow. You allow this, then you allow this, then you allow this, and you know. We go one shift without training. Okay, no big deal. Then we go two shifts without training. No big deal. Then we go three shifts. And now pretty soon that that's, you know, that that's the accepted and, and now training becomes an exception to the daily routine. So sure. it's always a drift and there's always multiple points if somebody has the courage to have the difficult conversation and say, "Listen, we're better than this." Right. My life depends on your life, my success on your success. Straighten up. I'll help you get there. We'll do it together, but we're not going to allow this this sub-level of performance anymore. And, and if, if it is, go find another firehouse because we're better than that. Sorry, I had to mark down the time frame on that on that little bit right there because that might be the sound bite for this one. <laughs> Keith Kershaw chiming in said, Chief, I've taken a ton of heat for working on hose projects, nozzle projects, etc. from other firefighters. You mentioned getting hate mail from other chiefs. How do you unpack that and deal with it? I embrace it. I embrace it. Okay. And, and, and nobody talks about this better than Chief Isaacson. Okay. If you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be out front, you're going to have a lot of people that are going to throw bows and arrows and, and arrows and, and darts at you and, and try to take you down because you make them feel uncomfortable. All right. If you believe in it, we all have an obligation to be the best version of ourselves. It's a job. We get paid to do something. Or if we're a volunteer, we're trusted to do something. Just being an adult says we're going to live up to our end of the deal. And there's a certain level of performance that, that we have to adhere to. So, I mean, if you're doing the right thing, if, 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 it's, you know, if, if, it's, if it's morally right, all those things, and it's going to result in a better service, man, you just got to grow big shoulders and thick skin and say I'm doing it for the right reason and let the haters hate, right? 
No, absolutely, man. And it's one of my one fav- person at a time. One person at a time. You get fifteen people that hate hate you. There's one person who's kind of going, okay, I want to be part of the crowd. I don't want to stick out, but sure. I hear what you're saying and Love I it. like what you're doing. One person at a time comes over, and pretty soon you're the cool kids. Love it. And then, and uh, two quotes I'll throw out here, which one is Mark von Oppen, one of my favorite quotes of all time, which is cultural change is not a shock and awe campaign. Is it a war of attrition, which goes right to your one person at a time. And then the and then other Rob Fisher, 10%, what is it? 10, 10 pounds of pressure, a hundred percent of the time. time. Yeah. I may have butchered that a little bit, but you get the point across. And the other one, and, and you guys were alluding to it in the comments here is uh, Winston Churchill saying, you'll never get to where you're going. If you stop and throw rocks at every dog that parks along the way. So sometimes you just got to just keep on walking and just ignore the barking dogs. And if you're in a system with multiple fire companies, multiple firehouses and companies, be so good that you stand out and the go-to crew comes and picks you out and said, hey, come on, you know, come on over here. Be a part of us. You've proven that, that you're committed to, to being better and you have staying power. It's not just a fad. You're really a student of this profession. Come on over to the busy truck or the busy engine or the busy battalion or whatever it is. And then, then you just, you know, you're making things better all around. All around. Now, I want to ask you something on this real quick, because just me as a battalion chief, and I, my, I, have, I have my own philosophies on I love chemistry. And when you get good chemistry in a crew, like hands off, try not to mess with it and things like that. But when you do see a go-getter, uh, you're a level above me, of course, running an entire department. How much do you look down and say, hey, that guy's a go-getter. He needs to get over here on this crew that's good. Do you – like, what's the boundaries between – yeah, go for it. You understand what I'm asking. I'll give you an example. And I was I, I was talking about this today. We're doing interviews. And I have this battalion chief now who, when I came into the Colony Fire Department, he was a lieutenant. Now, it's going to be a little bit different than what you're saying with chemistry. But he had a dream team. He had, he had great firefighters, drivers, senior man. I mean, he didn't have to do any leading at all. And this guy had a tremendous amount of potential. And I went and talked to him. I said, lieutenant, I said, listen you've got it going on here, but you're being so underutilized. You're in a comfort zone and you're never going to get any better than you are today because you've got it made. You're there. You've, you've reached the, the, summit. the mountaintop. Yeah. And so I challenged him to challenge himself. And I said, you know, this organization can learn so much from you, can benefit so much from you, but I got to get you out of your comfort zone so you can influence more people. Now I don't believe, and, and this is another thing chiefs do. Let's mix up the crew just to mix them up. You know, let's spread out the excellence. A, well, no, it's not. No, it's let's keep everybody from getting comfortable. Let's keep everybody on their toes and just, you know, shuffle them up so that we don't have clicks develop and all that other stuff. Um, and I don't think that's right. I mean, I think you leave good things alone. But if I see a leader that, that truly gets it and they can influence people, I want I want that to be spread out. And I want people to be able to benefit from that influence. So I want to bring people in there and, and, you know, it's kind of like being a parent or something here, here I've developed you let now let, now you go to another firehouse. So I'll give you this example. You know, if you're a captain or you're a battalion chief and the, the, the operations chiefs come to you and said, Hey, Hey chief or cap, uh, you need to give up one of your guys on your crew. You know, somebody has got to go to a ship. Do you send your worst person or do you send your best person? Okay. What's a good leader going to do? Send the best person. Let me send you my best product here. See shift. Take this guy because I know he's going to go and he's going to carry the word and he's going to take what we're doing. And he's going to make your shift better. But no, what do we do? We, we send the shit back. Oh yeah. I'm, I was, was going to say like, uh, that's my chance to shuck somebody though, chief. 
Well, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I understand. If, we, if, we, if we're committed to making the big thing better, say, no, I need a little more time with this guy. Let, let, me, let me work with this person and, and get him up to speed. Take, take my good person. You know, you don't want to give away the whole I understand. 18. I understand. And no. a lot of people disagree with that, and I get it. Uh, here comes some more at you. Here uh, we go. We got some comments. No questions. The hate I'm mail is for... going to start. <laughs> uh, if you're doing the right thing, only the wrong people will question it. That's from uh, Scott. Uh, yeah, Scott Smith. I, I believe so. Crew First yep. Culture chimed in and said, "Listen to the critics, but don't let them define you." Frank Viscuso quote: "You will never go wrong." Quoting Frank Viscuso. Uh, John Naninga said, "Chiefs love those guys on the fire ground that open their mind and learn. You become the go-to guys." Uh, That's the greatest compliment I think a fire company or an individual can have is the title of the go-to person. Go-to guy. The go-to when crew. things are marginal or a little out of control, I'm going to go to my go-to crew and say, fix this. And and really, that's that's a that's a great, great, great compliment. Uh, two people have said this, Howard Reinwald and Steve Lester. So we have to definitely consider the source when he said, America's freaking fire chief, no debate, and America's fire chief. I'm going to give both of those likes. Hold on, if I can. If I can do it without crashing Facebook. Here comes a question, which is, Chief, how do you present positive change respectfully knowing they are stuck in their old ways? Which is a common question and a good question, but uh, <clears throat> how do you it's fight? It's an easy answer. you got to sell and not tell, right? So you got to do your homework first. And, and firemen, I love firemen, firefighters to death. They're brilliant people. But they will spend their time figuring out the best way to get around anything just because they're creative problem solvers. So if, if you've ever read the book Tipping Point by um, Malcolm Gladwell, it talks about using people, and he calls them your, your uh, Mavins and, and your, 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 your salespeople, and you bring those people on board that are going to help you, but you got to sell them. you got to help them see how it benefits them, how it benefits the whole uh, the value in it. You can't just put it out in a memo and say, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. So you got to do a little homework and you also have to have uh, enough personal perspective to say, ah, this may not be a great idea. This isn't going to work just because it's a chief idea. It's going to work because it's a good idea. And if it's not, you got to say, Hey, let's scrap it. It didn't work. Let's go back to the drawing board. And and that's where that, that saying really comes. If you start with the end in mind, you can work backwards and identify all those things so that your message really reflects what you want to accomplish, but you got to put it in terms that everybody can understand and find value in. And I think that's where a lot of leaders make mistakes. They haven't studied it enough to be able to present it like that. Hundred percent. I mean, no. you think I I I brought in paramedic onlys into a firehouse? You wouldn't believe how many people said I was crazy. You can't do that. They won't work in the culture. You're you're an idiot. Blah 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 blah. Call any firehouse right now, and whoever picks up the phone, say, "Hey, how's the paramedic only program going?" And I think it'll be hard hard pressed to find somebody who says they don't like it. I had to really really spend the time and do the work. And put it out there and say, hey, this is how everybody is going to benefit from this. Nice. The um, I'm going to, well, I'll just go from there. Uh, that's a good answer to Justin Miller. And I'm going back to Hannah Elliott. And she, it once again, has a referenced question for you. Page 3-3, talking about the learning environment. Marines must have many opportunities to learn environmental, 
in environments that realistically simulate the challenges Marines will encounter against capable adversaries. What do you think has played the biggest role in the quality of live fire training today? Wow. She doesn't hold back. It's all fastballs. Oh, that's a great question. I guess the best way to answer that is to, to try to eliminate training scars. I mean, we have what we have. And, and you've got to understand what live – you can't use live fire training to say, hey, okay, this is a five-alarm high-rise fire, boom. we got to focus on the tasks and the tactics and break it down to that. Is this going to be a hose advancement drill? Is this going to be a surge drill? The other thing is, is we got to say, is this a training evolution or a needs assessment? If I bring all the companies down to the fire ground and I just sit there and, and I read, I'll say, okay, engine one, you're in first, engine two, you're in third, da, da, da. What you have is three-story, uh, multifamily, go. That's not a training exercise. That's a needs assessment. There was no instruction unless you did training prior to it. Okay. But you brought them down there and you gave them a scenario and you want them to respond to it. So what, what you're taking from that is you're going to see what they did good and where that they, they need to do work, and then you're going to build training based on that. But don't call that a training evolution. Call that a needs assessment. As If there's no instruction prior to the evolution, that's not a training event. You get to get what I'm now. It's an experience. It's a rehearsal. But they're not exercising anything specifically. And, and so you're going to come out and you say, well, you did this, 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 and this wrong. Well, we never told them what the right way was right. to start off. So does that kind of answer? So to me, that's quantity training. That's not quality training. Quality training is based on a desired outcome, standards, best practices, whatever you want to call them. And we're going to talk about those. We're going to demonstrate them. We're going to practice them. And then we're going to rehearse them in, a, in as close to reality, a real-life setting, as we can get and exercise that evolution. And then we're going to talk about it and maybe do it again or say, hey, what do we need to work on to get to where we want to be? No, I love it. And and I love your sports analogy with spring training, uh, preseason, regular season, postseason, Super Bowl. And But you're talking about when you're selling something, okay? Okay. So we could have just come out with a sheet of paper and says, you know, this this is our training. But instead, we tied it in. We called it a training season, so it has a start and an end. It's not like just ongoing blah, training, training. You know, one week we're doing salvage covers, and next week we're doing, you know, throwing ladders, yes, master streams. Yeah. And there's no, there's no um, continuity in training. But it kind of piqued the interest, and you know, we start out spring training. Our senior people do that. We it's kind of two a days. They'll do they'll do something before lunch. At lunchtime, they'll they'll have the stereo going. They're cooking hot dogs on the grill out at the yard. You know, they're horsing around and they'll do another 45 minute drill and go to the house. And, and we, we kind of try to have fun uh, while we're learning at the technique level. And then it just kind of goes from there, from technique level all the way up to the playoffs where we're, we're doing stretch strategic multi-company stuff and, and really evaluating our coordination of our operation. No, I love it. And the, and the, the, the thing I was going to say was it's the difference between practice and scrimmage. You know, in practice, you're trying to you're doing the repetition. You're learning. It's the we're doing this to learn this new thing. And scrimmage is, hey, let's see what you've figured out and let's see it in a real as real as we can make it environment. You got to yeah. I call that. it a rehearsal, and I, I tie. You know, yours is a little more manly than mine. I tied into like the dress rehearsal in a theater. You know, right? You want to make sure the costumes and the props and everything is for opening night, and you get it. But 
you try to avoid the training scars. You know, if you have a, a structural fire rehearsal or scrimmage and you're allowing firefighters to wear their rescue gloves during those evolutions, you're setting your people up for failure. Is if they're true? not in their structural gloves, if, if they're not, you know, if they're not having to change a radio channel like they might have to do or so forth. And, and so you try to get those those little things that are going to cause catastrophic outcomes and focus on those so they become kind of second nature. Love it. I think that's a very good answer. Uh, and we're now we're getting we're now we're getting them coming fast and hard. Uh, <laughs> Dirk Janiak said, we don't have companies. Officers and firefighters get moved around to balance shifts or due to promotions. No room for station pride or having a go-to crew. The department embraced a concept of round pegs. Everybody is trained the same. Officers also have no say in who they are getting. It's all in the hands of the platoon chief. So that is a tough one to overcome when it is that much chaos. And, and um, But it does come back to, and I think Chief will agree with this, you have to control what you can control. That's it. And also, I'll give you my phone number. And when it gets too heavy to burden, you're so mad, you can call me and I'll be in here to listen. But, I mean, yeah you got to figure out what your influence is in that be the best version of your, I, I promise you this. If you're an individual or a fire company, if you go to conferences, if you listen to podcasts, if you read books, people recognize, right. They recognize good stuff. And if you model that, if you're consistently bringing that people will notice and it may take a while, but somebody's going to kind of say, Hey, you, you know, your stuff. You know, you're, 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 uh, you're, you're really good at this and, and help me, help me learn this. And it, that, that's the only way it can happen unless the fire chief says, Hey, we're going to go from here to here, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen, right. but, but just be the best version of yourself. And here's the other part of it. If you have a bad night, God forbid, and somebody gets killed or, or somebody is no able, uh, no longer able to work, you don't want to say, I wish I would have, or if I only would have. If you're the best version of yourself and you're you're bringing your best every day, you say, hey, we had one of those events that got the best of us and, and the fire gave us more than we could handle. And unfortunately, we had a, a bad outcome. And, and that, that happens in, in this job occasionally. No, and, and I I love Chief Ike. And when he talks about his the uh, um, life without regrets, live without regrets, embrace the embrace the um, regret and you kind of want to project forward and do things so you don't have to, you know what I'm saying? Hopefully you don't need that motivation to embrace it. If you, if you project forward, if that makes sense, what I'm saying to basically, and everything changes. I know departments that have been absolutely terrible and over a period of time, they've got to be the place where everybody wants to work. I've seen the other side of it too. Departments where everybody wants to be and the chief changes and the philosophy changes and the culture changes and pretty soon nobody wants to work there. So it's all cyclical and, and it's not going to happen overnight, but if you hang in there, things will change. Um, next one, crew first culture, Jeremy Sanders chiming in. He says, do you ever feel like it's okay? This, I, lo- I like this question. I want to hear your take on it, which is, uh, do you ever feel like it's okay as a station officer to say, I have taken this person as far as I can take them. It's time to open that seat up to someone else that needs help. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, we let go of probably above average number of people um, in, in probationary period. It's a two way street. You know, you invest in somebody, they got to want to receive. They've got they've got to take ownership for their welfare and their their performance. And, and it's it's not for everybody. And, and uh, 
you know, we bring people in and we paint this great picture of what it's all about. But no, you can only do so much. And there's a process there starting from counseling or, or, or an informal session all the way up to a performance improvement program. If you put a PIP in front of somebody and, and list out the expectations, in order to stay here, this is what you have to do. Rather, it's stay in the company or stay in the department, stay in the battalion. You got six months to meet these. If you don't, you tell me how I can help you. If not, I'm shipping you off. No, no, you, you can't stay with a lost cause. It's, it's got to be a two-way street. Love it. Good answer. I approve. <laughs> for what that's worth. Uh, Alex Marin has chimed in once again. He said, Chief, I apologize if this was already covered. What is the selection criteria and continued requirement for someone you would consider as an FTO slash senior guy slash go-to man in the back slash non-commissioned officer? In, in this job to me, now we're going to assume everybody has good character, okay? okay, that you're not a crook or a liar. So let's put that competence is competence has got to be number one here you can't fake your performance now you always want to get better in that but it's always got to start with your skills and your knowledge how well do you process information in in the heat of battle the, the fog of fire as i call it instead of the fog of war and how well do you you perform because that that's how people are going to determine their respect and their trust for you so number one, you got to be a student. And you got to work and, and be good. You got to be an asset and a performer. You got to care. You want. You got to want to invest. Uh, going back to that attitude, you know, you want to be constructive instead of destructive, and that doesn't mean always patting somebody on the shoulder. But the worst thing you can do to someone is is lie to them, tell them that they're being successful when they're not, and that's when that drift towards failure begins. Um, be a student. Be, be patient understand that everybody learns differently, that we're all humans and we have different values and different goals and things and, and, and commit and stick with it until you get to that point where you say, Hey, I'm putting in more effort than they are. And at that point, then you gotta, you gotta make some decisions. But it, if you know the job, if, if you're, if you're willing to invest in that person and help them achieve some things, you really can't go wrong unless they just are not willing to receive it. And then, and then you know, you got other problems. I like how you started off with, let's just start with their good people. <laughs> I love well, it. It's, you know, no, no, we have to be a given because you have to talk about it. If they're turds, they're turds. And character is a whole other issue. We brought the wrong person in the organization, and now we're just we're patching holes in a sinking boat. I have a big, I have a broad question coming at you. This is, a, this is the, the soft toss down the middle. So Justin Miller said, Chief, what has been your biggest morale booster for your department? Wow, you got to give me just a second. The the biggest morale booster, when I got to the colony, the one thing I heard over and over again is we want to be respected in the region. They they didn't feel confident in what they were doing. And I would say when we switched from the quint concept or the everybody does everything to an engine and truck company deployment model, in in our system, you ride an engine and you advance to the truck and then advance to the squad. You, you nice. kind of try out and you've got it. It's not you ride the engine today, the truck tomorrow. So I think when the organization started to see that if they put in the work, if they train and they stick with it and they try to get better and that we started to see fires going better, but then we started to see people leave other organizations. Like I said, take a cut and pay. We haven't anybody leaving in 11 years, except for one, the asterisk by it, had a baby and went back recently. 
And when they saw that people wanted to be a part of them, that they weren't leaving them anymore, that they were coming here, and, and what, I, that, that was huge. And I, I think that, that was the biggest thing. And it was simply because of the hard work of the men and women to, to try to be the best they could. We're not the best at anything, but they were the best that they could be. And, and it was sustained. And I think that was the biggest, um, the biggest thing. Now, the new engines that we got, everybody loves them. I think that was a big morale booster because we really listened to the, the men and women that are going to ride them. And we designed a really uh, functional fire apparatus. And, and I think everybody uh, loves those. I think that was a, a big deal. I, I think now that the paramedic program has taken place, I think I think that was a morale booster because they've seen the level of patient care and a fire-based EMS system really be elevated. So I think those are just a few of the things. Leather helmets, uh, you know, we got a few people that, that, that get a kick out of that. You know, some people say that's stupid. It is what it is. I love it. Good answer. That answer your question, Mr. Miller. Hannah Elliott's coming back at you. I hope you don't mind. We're, we're completely off topic, and the and the, the viewers right. are taking over, and I love it. You're the boss. They're, uh, page 4-8, the path to mastery starts with a sense of humor. How important is that? you got to have fun. You, you know, you got to have fun. And Bobby talked about that at the end of his last session with you. You know, everybody that's serious and, you know. Man, you, you, you can't take yourself too seriously. Um, you got to laugh at, at this job when you can laugh because there's too many times that we cry and, and a good sense of humor. But this is the thing. Unless you're around the kitchen table where somebody can get up and leave if it gets too heavy or too deep, it, it can't be destructive. As long as it's not, you know, we talk about uh, uh, suicides and, and all those things. We don't want the firehouse environment to become threatening where people dread coming to work. And sometimes humor can cross a line. And if, if four people are picking on one person constantly, you know, they'll say that's team building or we're no, that's destructive. So I, man, I think, I think um, uh, a good sense of humor and having fun is vital to, to survive this job, but it can't be malicious. It can't be mean. It can't be focused on one purpose with the sole sole intention of saying, hey, I'm keeping the pressure off of me by putting it on you right. because then you have a victim, and that's just wrong. And right. I don't care. I'll argue with anybody on that. That's just wrong, and you don't belong in this job. Love it. Go go do something else where, where you, you know, a brotherhood and sisterhood doesn't exist. Exactly. Greg Redman is coming at you, and he said, what do you say to a firefighter who says he doesn't have time to read, watch, listen to anything fire service, self-improvement related, not required by the fire department because he has a two-year-old at home while at the same time he's at the station watching Jurassic Park on the public's dime for the 17th time. Well, there you go. You, you just answered your question, right? We, we all we all come up with an excuse. I got two sons and, and uh, you know, you do what you – there's always time. He's got to drive back and forth to work, plug in a podcast. You know, there's always a few minutes. The kids take naps. You know, what are you doing? training doesn't have to exist in hours, chunks of, of hours. And, and you can spend 15 minutes if you plan it out, you know, in 15 minutes I can read, you know, I don't know, 20 pages out of this book, um, 15 minutes. We, we got to focus on the quality and not the quantity. I'll t- give me somebody who'll invest 10 minutes every day on something over somebody who'll only give me an hour once a month. And I'll take that because it's consistent. Consistent. And I guarantee you that 10-minute-a-day guy will be in, like, the top 98%. Uh, because he's staying relevant. Yes. He stay, every day he's updating his hard drive. 
And I'll say this, on that drive, you can listen to Crew First Culture Podcast. You can listen to Fit to Fight Fire Podcast. You got the Firefighter Success Podcast. I'm leaving out so many, so I shouldn't even start listing. You there, can listen there's to, a ton of them. I mean, it yes. doesn't have to be fire-related. Hump Day I Hangout. Mean, it can be Jocko and, and all that. Yes. I mean, uh, there's a ton. What You just want to get yourself to think outside. You, you want to expand. Just like you, when you work out, you want to get your muscles a little bigger. You want to get your, your, your knowledge base, your hard drive a little bigger. And, and, you know, you could listen to something from the military just like this. And you're thinking, wow, if I plug in firefighter there, this is this works for me. That the, the article that I posted, you you take out, um, uh, uh, you know, ink as being the title that plug in fire engineering and make it all about firefighters. No, you're right. It fits. Uh I'm going back to our notes here, and I'm going to throw stuff at you. I'm trying to see my notes, and if you got anything you want to throw in, throw it in. No, not trying to step no. on you. Like I said, it's not a book report. Um, the fifth principle, the one we just talked about, applied to firefighters, and it says it here: the final principle is that learning is purpose-driven to develop professional competence. This is on one twelve. Uh, if you're following along, special Hannah, um, learning has specific goals and measurable objectives to gauge progress toward developing competencies. Marine learning is team-oriented so that Marines develop the skills and connections to fight collectively. I love that definition right there. And I know we've already touched and on And that's the fire company. I don't know yes. what a small Marine. I think it's a rifle company, or but that's the engine company right. or the truck company, 100%. the rescue company. Purpose-driven to develop that competence as a group uh, to fight collectively, which ties into, I'm moving to my next note, because so I do want to stay on topic here regardless. If that's even a word. All right. Uh, the second part of this book was the culture of learning. And, he, and, and it starts with organizational culture. And I'll read this real quick. But it says organizational culture consists of the underlying beliefs, assumptions, values, and ways Marines interact that contribute to an organization's unique social and psychological environment. So, and this sounds really familiar to me. So okay, <laughs> now, now let me add some. Let me add to that because I highlighted this. Okay, the culture also reflects how the group describes themselves, their beliefs, and their organization. So, I can communicate with you, and just just by that interaction, I'm communicating our culture. So those kind of go together. That was on the second half, but yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about with culture: the beliefs, the assumptions, the values. How we interact, all those things are, and by understanding that definition, if you're in a toxic environment, whether it be a firehouse, battalion, or the organization, you can you can look for signs and symptoms at that level, and then even as an individual, model the right way, work to eliminate just one of those things, and that's how you influence and become a positive influence instead of friction. All right, I got some more stuff to throw at you. One is a statement. And it says, I don't think you can force passion. You either have it or you don't. Those who want to improve will find the time regardless of what is going on. Getting your take before I move on? Chief? No, no, oh, that's right. right. But you got to think about this also. And we're starting to see a lot of people come on to the job. As a fire chief, when I sit across from a new member, a candidate, I, I basically give them a job description. I mean, I give them more, but most fire chiefs are just going to give them a job description. And if I don't know anything about the fire service, I'm one of those, my buddy said, take the test, or I was a CPA or whatever. And I read the job description and it tells me what I need to do to be successful. 
Now, if that's all I do, I'm keeping up my end of the deal. If I don't get into a good firehouse or if I don't have a mentor and somebody tells me, says, hey, dude, this is just the minimum. We're a high-performance fire company. We're going to start here, but we're going to take you to here. Yes. Am I wrong? If I don't know anything different, am I wrong to do just what the chief told me to do? No, so so we, that's, that's why it's so important that we have people in the firehouse to, to work with those. It, it's like the brother and sisterhood. If I'm an only child and I don't understand brothers and sisters, or if I never played a team sport, people are going to write me off as a mutt because I'm not – I don't know what it is. Somebody's got to help me, help me understand that. No, 100%. I love it. Uh, that got to the heart of that right there. And then Jeremy Hurst said, Chief, with most every firehouse being that family for one another, having said earlier that you may want to spread out the good attitude and move personnel, have you ever experienced that move having negative effects on companies? If so, how do you resolve that? Mind you, the department where this happened, mine has no transfer policy either. But go ahead. No, no, n- nothing's perfect. You know, it's very hard to go undefeated. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it's not right. But we have, again, we have to start with the end in mind and look at what we want to accomplish. And then we have to evaluate it and see if that's what we're accomplishing. If we make a move with the intent to do this and we say we want to see it in six months, if it doesn't happen in six months, we wait another three months. But in that period of time, if we're not seeing the desired results, we got to put away the ego and say, okay, this didn't work. This, this just didn't work. And then we have to analyze it. Is this now, is it a system problem? Is it the environment that they're in? Is it the chemistry, the people working together? Or is it an individual? And if you can break it down to that, then you address it. If it's the individual, put them on a performance improvement program, whatever you do, counsel. If it's an environment thing, we got to talk to the leadership in that. And um, But we don't take time to really look at the the nucleus if you will, and find out what the root cause is. Right. Identify which, which level needs to be addressed. Love We're it. too quick to put labels on people and to write people off. And, turn. and we, we base it on how much we like them, not how much they contribute. It's all about the contribution to the team. Um, you know, if, if we've got a bunch of people who don't get along, but they produce a positive, they're all high performers. I mean, then oh, yeah. we've got to ask ourselves, what's more important? No, and it's, a, it's that being right versus being effective which is such a and a tough one for me personally. I know this is one of my blind spots is I value effort more than I value results sometimes. And, and it's a blind spot for me because it's like, man, the guy's given so much effort, but it's just not there, you know? And so that's something I struggle with. And, but there's some people that do that. They try so hard and you want to give them a big hug, but they just don't get it. They, they, they can't get to the next level and mm-hmm. they try, but this job is not for everybody. Right. And we got to understand that it's, and sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we hire the wrong person. Sometimes we promote the wrong person. Uh, Mike rock or yeah. Mike rock said you can't force passion, but you can set expectations, show personal passion for the craft and lead by example around this individual. At times it can become contagious. That is a great solid piece of advice. But let's talk about, I mean, you know, what is passion, right? It's, it's our love for something. It's our commitment to something. I mean, non-passionate people can become passionate once they realize that they're part of the team and they're respected and they see some growth. And I mean, so, so, so passion can, I'm not going to be say taught, but it can be cultivated. Um, now some people never will be, but, but it, you know, we, we, passion is a very broad word. It's like aggression, you know, passion right. and aggression. Let's be aggressive. Let's be passionate. 
Yeah, and, and so people show passion in different ways. You know, there are people who are super great firefighters, but once they leave the fire department, they do their carpentry job and they don't think about it. And some people will say, well, they're not passionate because they don't do all the stuff on their days off. Well, it goes back to yours. What's the result? If they come in and, and, and perform above average, you know. Batting 500 every time they come in. Ba- okay. Bat- basketball or uh, baseball 500, not uh, not fifty percent. Uh, sorry. Uh, okay, I got to bring this up because Dirk Jeniak pointed it out. Irregardless, with a question mark and an explanation point. Yes, I used irregardless, and I know Aaron Fields just had a heart attack. Uh, so, yes, I used the word. Um, Hannah Elliott throwing at you. Boyd's work of maneuver warfare is referenced in MCDP seven. Can we talk about those who make lasting impacts spanning generations? What are some common attributes you've observed in those kinds of people? Holy cow. I mean, you know, what is it? It's it's not um, what you say to people. It's how you make them feel. Ooh, I love that. And I think the problem we're having in the fire service right now is a lot of the training going on is motivational stuff. It's like Joel Osteen on Sunday morning. You know, it, it's you walk out of there and you're so fired up. By, by Monday morning, you, you're kind of – so we got to look beyond just learning as, as trainers, as senior men and women, um, we got to move past just teaching. We got to get to a point of understanding. We, we got to help people get to where they can in their mind, work through complex problems or problem solve and, and, you know, do those things. Um, so I think the things that last, like, like I'm a huge student of Alan Brunacini. Okay. So, much of my message, much of my um, my leadership philosophy has tones or the spirit of Alan Brunacini. Now, I hope that those people that I influence who, who take parts of me are also taking parts of Chief Brunacini as they go on and, and, and so forth and so forth. I but I think it's really about how you make people feel about themselves, that they were respected, that they were treated fairly, that they were heard, that you didn't treat them like a subordinate. And that, that you helped them to understand you didn't just teach them something. You taught them how to think about something and how to work things on their own without being told. That That's that's my take. That's a, t- that's a great question, but it's a tough one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They're just uh, throwing hard, fast, and inside at you, Chief, but you're doing awesome. Uh, and then I love this right here, which said uh, I just lost the – there's a lot of them coming fast and furious. Um Crew First Culture, Jeremy Sanders said, I love how you break down all the types of mentors. With how you break them down, I feel like with all the online stuff and Superstation 2020 is the official year of the virtual mentor. And that's great. That's great. Uh, And COVID's making us do that. No doubt. COVID has really expanded the online experience, depending on if it's uh, the pantless Zoom meetings. I'm not saying we're not wearing pants. That's up to Chief, but <laughs> uh, yeah. someone said to Hannah, you should start your own podcast. I'm going to be your first subscriber. Wrong. I'll be the first subscriber, and the questions are fire. Thank you for them. Um, here we go. I'm trying to see if I'm missing anything. There's a lot of stuff coming at you, Chief, and if not, we'll move on to the book, and I'm going to bring out some more things. If you got anything you want to throw, Chief, I'm not trying to dominate with my notes. No, I'm, I'm going to, you know, a, a few things, you know, Go. Um, one, one of the big things about this, the underlying tone is changing um, the operational environment. And, and so, you know, 
Uh, I think Chief Dunn just came out with his book about battle space. And in this book, battle space is referenced. So really in learning, um, we want to, the goal and, and the undertone of the book is, is increase our capabilities, minimize our limitations, increase our capabilities, whether it's the individual or the small unit, but then influence the battle space to change it into our favor. Right on. You know, if, if you were to ask me what's the most important thing that a firefighter has to study, it would be building construction and all things fire behavior. Fire related. behavior, building construction. Yeah, understand the environment and understand if you want to call it the, the enemy. And then all the other things we do are an attempt to modify that or change change the battle space. Um, so we have to be, we have to, you know, and let's just call it our, I mean, I hate to use that, but let's just call it our enemy. But we do compete with problems. We compete with fire, rescue, and EMS problems. That That's our that's our competition. Absolutely. And, and so this learning and the way this talks about culture and, and that these key principles and, and responsibility for learning, it all ties in. And, and another thing here, you know, we, we, we earn trust uh, of others by demonstrating our competence. competence I, yes. I think that's the first way that we're evaluated. We can be a very likable person and a funny person. Everybody wants to be around. But if we're a train wreck on the incident scene, People aren't going to respect us, and they're different. We also we've said this a million times: being liked and being respected. Um, so, so those are just some of the things, and, and the, the psychology, the the mindset, and the physical skill deployment of changing the environment. In our case, instead of doing it with guns, we do it with hoses, you know, and 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 water streams. So, so that's really, I think, that what it boils boils down to. I can't I can't argue that whatsoever. Um, I'm going to melt it down to, um, let me see my, my best note here to throw at you. There's so many, uh, great, I'm going to read one more quote here. It says learning prepares, and I'm going to put firefighters in place and Marine to exercise initiative within the commander's intent, the incident commander's intent, right? Whoever's constantly seeking to improve, develop mental agility and deal with changing situations. That's a huge thing right there. So when we say start with the end in mind, let's say that's our end. That's what we want to achieve. We explain the why, and then we work backwards through our culture, through our leadership influence, and our training to get to that outcome. The uh, I love it. And I, the, re, the I'm glad you brought it up because commander's intent and um, autonomy – uh, I, you know, those are two things I strive, strive, strive to drive into my fire companies and my, my fire company commanders to say, man, I want you to make the decision the, the make the call, make the call, make the call. How do you, and, and I want them to, to, uh, push that down to their actual guys. How do you, what's the balance between autonomy and commander's intent and just free will and cowboy? Well, I mean, you got to figure that out ahead of time, right? You got to know your people. You got to know what you train on. You know, you got you know, it goes back to that surfaces and gaps. What go. are their capabilities and limitations? Your your go to people. You you got to you got to know your people to trust your people, and because of your investment of them, you know, I sleep very good at night because I know I got truck people on truck companies and engine people on it. I, I if somebody goes to the roof tonight and falls through, God forbid, and it. I'm going to know that we did the best to position Seven that person. Months, yes. I'm not going to go, oh, no, did, oh, we got an engine guy riding a truck. He hasn't ridden a truck in five years, and we put him on the roof. 
So we, we do those kind of things by investing in them. We know what the return is. So if I know my people, I know what they're capable of. Now, I know the situations where I can give them a little bit more and let them exercise and get out of their comfort zone. But I also know them enough to know when they're struggling and, and say, hey, I, I got to help you. Here. I got to lean yeah. over your shoulder. And, and so 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 it's, I think it's about knowing your people and what they're capable of and where their limitations are. And we all have limitations. But 100%. what can we do and what, what can we not do? And then and let's hold us to that 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 uh those limitations that that range but no you answered the question beautifully and then it's, it's it's you figure it out on the training ground not on the fire ground and that's it um you know okay. I, I always say who's your quality control person every morning you know you, you're working at your company officer and mike gets swung in from station four and sarah's working overtime and you got to decide what they're going to ride on let's say you have an ambulance an engine and a truck in your firehouse well you know, Sarah's swinging over from another shift and she's, a, Hey, Sarah, when's the last time you went to the roof? Oh, I haven't been on a roof since the Academy. When's the last time you did VES? Oh, I've never done it. Well, I probably shouldn't put her on the truck. Right. So who, who does that each morning? Nobody. We just say, Oh, oh it's my turn to ride the truck. Okay. We'll get on the truck. Right. No, which is, there, there's no science behind that. We do it because it's easy and it's fair. So I'm I'm trying to wrap my or put this in a in a catchphrase, which is you got the drifting towards failure one way, and I don't know what the opposite of drifting towards success is or purposefully marching towards success. I well, guess. positioning people for success and survival. There it is. Okay, it's already been covered in a book that someone may have written in this podcast. <laughs> All right, um, Mark Matheson said, "Chief, I had thought that the topic of leadership was oversaturated in the fire service." Then I read your book. It's definitely my favorite of them all. Really glad you wrote it. Thank you. So oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and I, I really wanted to try to bring something fresh. It's hard to do. Um, but thank you very much. That, that means a lot. Uh, Sean Duffy said, Chief is such a genuine guy. He gets it and is an amazing resource. There is no doubt about it, Sean. Um, thank you, Sean. It was great talking to you. Before You're doing I, good things, buddy. There is no doubt. Krufer, uh, uh build your culture. Sean Duffy. And, I, and let me tell you, Sean Duffy gets mentoring also. He, he's a culture guy, but he shared some of his stuff on mentoring, and he definitely gets mentoring also. So he's a great resource for both of those. There you go. Uh, anything else you want to bring up on this before I move on? Because I don't. Nah, want, let's put it away. I don't want to cut you off. Nah. Formal mentoring for the fire service. We've been at it for a while. We're already over an hour, so you cut me off yeah. whenever you want, and I'll move on to reading. Brother, this thing, you've already said there's thousands of downloads of this already. I personally have passed out, I think, six copies now uh, to guys directly below my uh, direct reports. And so talk about it. Talk about where you want it to go and how you want it to affect the fire service. When I went to work for Rick Lasky in in 2002, he he really got me focused on mentoring. I kind of fooled around with it a little bit. And and he was starting something called the Mentor Book. And so um, I really wanted to... Uh, learn more about it and, and dive into it. And, and I was doing some things with mentoring. I just didn't know really what they were. But in Louisville, man, uh, we were able to do some great things. And, and I believe uh, it was because of, of mentoring. Uh, I took what I learned there going into the colony and kind of took it to the next level. And, and you know, I, I hate to hit sit there and say the colony's so great and this and that. We're just a small suburban department. The signs and symptoms say that, that we're doing some things right. And, and the only things I can contribute that to is the culture and our members' commitment to mentoring 
those who come into the organization. I, ha I have nothing else. So that packet was to take all that stuff, and I was working on it for a long time, and I was, I, wa I was trying to decide how to put it out, but it's something I really was passionate about serving up to the fire service. And, and some people will, will even say what I wrote is not mentoring. Okay, well, it's, it, it's sequential professional development, you know, they, 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 the term. But, but that was something that I wanted to share with the fire service just because I believe in it that much, and I wanted to make it available to anybody who, who had the slightest interest in it. So I just hope that somewhere down the line that information can be used to get somebody out of a rut, to take somebody to the next level, somebody who was going to leave to stay or give an officer just a little bit more confidence when he or she goes into the firehouse and say, okay, I, I got something here to work from. I got a little bit of a script. And if, if that happens to one or two people, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. I can already tell you it is affecting my mini Boomberg and, <laughs> and it is, it's already, it's already having that effect and it's, and it's, it's working its way around, I'm sure all across. So, and I want to improve it. I encourage anybody. You're not going to hurt my feelings. If you can make that better, you know, it was kind of like writing a book. And I say that in the beginning, I want to get some things down on paper. Right. And if people improve it, I know it's successful. So I've created a, a Facebook page, the Society of Fire Service Mentors, which has a great logo since the uh, thanks to Corley. I have an email mentoring at fireserviceleadership.com. And I want to improve it. I want all of us. Everybody's doing something. Let's all let's all get it together and, and, and take it to the next level. So so this is just this is ground zero. Uh, I encourage everybody to read it and let's improve it and, and put a document out there for the fire service where we can we can help people be what they want to be and, and get them there and, and help them get through a career in, in, in a successful way. I love it. Uh, Chief, I love it. Um, so definitely, guys. The Society of Fire Service Mentors, go there, leave feedback, and it is a community project. It is a society for developing this mentorship program. And he has given... I mean, if you have tax task books, step-up processes, those are all part of the mentoring tools. He has given one hell of a framework foundation to start from. And so just just go there, join, and, and pitch in if you want to see it grow. So... With all that being said, I always ask, and so this is the first time I've asked a repeat guest, is there a book or books, of course we covered a lot today, but is there a book or books you think firefighters should be reading? Yeah, the, the, the uh, death of expertise. Death of expertise. And be honest with yourself. Man, it was an eye-opener. I, I listened to it first as an audio book. I went and bought the book and read through it. And if you read Death of Expertise, uh, Smarter, Faster, Better, and this together, it, it's a game changer. Okay. Whether you're a learner or, or an instructor, and I think I think I got that Smarter, Faster, Better right. I, I, I it was the first one I read. Okay. But um, I don't want to put you on the spot. Death of Expertise. Do you know who wrote Death of Expertise? Is Do you know who wrote Death of Expertise at all, or no? Not to I'm put sorry, you on the, the author. Not to put you on the spot. I'm just taking my notes. I don't know. I don't no, know it's who okay. the author is. I can find it's, it. He's a PhD. He's he's a he's an Ivy League PhD. Um, but but wow, it's a it, it, it's it's a game changer. It really helps you um, hold yourself accountable um, to learning and how you process information. I mean, it talks about college degrees and and books that are self published versus going through publishers, and it really helps you process 
all this information that's out there and, and your mind and how it works. So, so I would certainly recommend it had nothing to do with the fire service. Absolutely. Okay. I like it. And then all three of them together, death of death of expertise, smarter, faster, better. And of course the one we've talked about this whole time, the, the trifecta, you read those three things and it's a game changer. There it is. Uh, Dirk, I will put it in a comment. He asked for a, a link to download the, uh, formal mentoring for the fire service, fire service, leadership.com. It'll come up to my website. If you scroll down just a little bit, you'll see my book, the functional fire company right below that. It'll say, I think all products click on that. They'll both come up, download it for free. You'll have to put in your name and address, I think, and then just download it. If you have any problems, email me at Scott at fireserviceleadership.com and we'll get it to you. All right. There it is. Uh, the books you suggested, of course, uh, that you can find that link there. So now we get to one of my favorite parts of the scrap that we have evolved to, and it is the five questions for firefighters. And I've never done this before, so this is my first time, so be right. gentle. There it is. Uh, it is, of course, completely uh, your opinion, and the points are arbitrary, assigned by me. So, Chief Scott Thompson, are you ready for your first attempt at the five questions for firefighters? Bring it. Here we go. Number one, what is the number one issue facing the modern fire service? Relevance. Relevance. Um, this, this, and I've said this a couple times, is this is my concern. A motivated firefighter just about any week of the year can go someplace in this country and be influenced by the best in the business. Sammy Hiddle teaching forcible entry, Seth Taylor or Scott Kleinsmith on saws, the, the list goes on and on. Brian Brush and Hose, and then they're going to come back to their organization, all right, and how that information is accepted in the firehouse. You're going to have a senior man and woman or a company officer who's going to say, okay, bring it in here. Tell me what you learned. Let's all learn from them. They're going to say, hey, we don't do that shit. You're a dumbass to use your own time and your own dime to go train that. We don't do that. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. And, and that's going to be – and that's happening right now. Absolutely. So when that does occur, now pretty soon – that firefighter is not the most experienced in the firehouse, but they're the smartest. And now the company is separating. The senior man and woman and the company officer are now resentful. But there's going to be people on that crew who are going to say, wow, they know what they're talking about. Hey, show me that. Let's go out and show me how you throw that 28 or whatever. Show me how to mask up in 20 seconds. And 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 pretty soon the firehouse is lost. Starts dividing. And that's coming, I'm telling you. Oh, it's, it's not only coming, it's happened. I mean – Relevant. And here, here's the second issue. I got two of them. Okay. A system, a fire department with multiple stations and multiple shifts with an inconsistent level of service. If you are if you have a better chance of surviving in Truck 1's district because they train and they believe in aggressive search and vertical vent than you do in Truck 5's district, who doesn't believe in any of that, now survivability, survivability becomes philosophical instead of situational. And that's an unjustifiable, unsustainable position. Mm. Relevance. What was the second? How, how, what was the one word you decide? Consistency in a system. If, if, if survivability becomes philosophical, what I believe as a company officer is relevant, what we're going to train on, what we're not. So I, it's not the fire that's going to kill me. It's the philosophy of the officer on the first in engine that's going to kill me. Right. Absolutely. 
So yeah, I, uh, I can't argue with a- either of those. And you got me to talk throughout them. So max points for question one. Number two, what is the thing you are most excited about for the future of firefighting? Oh man, um, that we're we're going we're going back to taking back the fire service. The movement to make the fire service more about the mission and the people that we serve. Um, we've drifted from that. And we have a core of firefighters that will be officers and they will be chiefs. And I believe they will go back to the mission of saving lives and protecting property and get us back to being a fire department that can be trusted and depended on to solve problems on somebody's worst worst day. We will come for you. We will come for you. That's it, man. Sum it up. Five words. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I can't argue with that. That gets me chills every time, every time you get on that one. So I love it. Uh, number three, best rank or position to be in, in the fire service. I really wanted to hear this one from you. So training officer, not training coordinator, training officer. And this is why. Okay. You get hands on, not literally every member in the department comes through training or is influenced by training. If you want to train, change the culture, or change the organization, you can do that as the training chief, not the coordinator. The coordinator takes CAM programs, and but the training chief makes it personal to the organization. And, and you can, your, your, your operational philosophy, how we do things, you impact every member of the organization. You weren't expecting that one. No, I, that one completely took me by surprise. Now, were you, you were Chief Lasky's training chief, correct? correct? Okay. So, I... I I've never been in that position, so I will have to say I'm surprised. Now, you didn't ask me the funnest. You no, didn't I didn't. Ask me I the didn't. funnest. You said the best. The best. That's the funnest the, is, riding an, is riding a truck. As defined but the best, by if you want to make a change and have a positive influence in the organization, training is where it happens. I can't argue with that. I can't. I, now, what I will say, and this is not a, it's the five questions, but I will say is that in most departments, they have not figured out a way to make it that influential position that it needs to be, and it becomes a throwaway position that people get trapped in with no way out. Yeah, and cetera, they do it three cetera. years. And, right, yeah. right, et cetera, et cetera. So, no, you definitely caught me by surprise on that one. So, number four is best advice you have ever received. You've had a lot of good mentors, too, so I'm excited Again. I'm, I'm going to use a I'm going to use a quote, I guess, and it's somewhat advice, and it's from Pete Lund, and you probably heard this a time or two, and it was from October 9, 1992. I was up riding out with Rescue Three uh, for for a little over a week, and I I was with Plano at the time, and I got there on a Monday, and I've been there a couple of days, and Wednesday morning we're sitting there at, at the old Rescue Three firehouse, and I I didn't I didn't understand who Pete Lund was at the time, but he he's an icon. And, and so we had made a couple great calls and I was sitting there and, and it was cold. And I, I said, you know, Pete, what am I doing here? I said, this kid from Plano, he stopped me. And he said, Scott, let me tell you something. He said, you have every opportunity to be a firefighter at the highest level in Plano, Texas, as I do in the South Bronx. It'll just look a little different. I love that. Dude. Does that fall under advice? Oh, I- did it affect your life in a, in a, in a way, in an impactful way? You, you talk about motivating somebody, yeah. have, having, having a hardcore res- I mean, John Salka, I think, I think Norman, I mean, the guys that came under Pete Lund's supervision 
and to have Pete Lund recognize this young kid from Plano, Texas, and say, hey, even put us in the same category was a life changer. Here's the deal where you ask if it, if it qualifies as advice. We have someone chiming in. Justin Frey says, your Pete Lund story changed the course of my career. So Wow. There you go. Yes, it, wow. qual- it qualifies as advice, Chief. <laughs> uh, number five. Number five, and I've been waiting, but uh, heavy fire and searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? Got to go with VES. Got, I got got to go. I got to go with the the chance for the grand slam. Go for the grab. Bases loaded, bottom of the ninth. You know that that's it. It's not going to happen very often, but when it does, that's a that's a game changer. I want my number called. I can't. I again. I can't argue with it. Send me. There it is. Um, the five questions according. Uh, five questions for firefighters according to Chief Scott Thompson. So you finally got to do them, Chief. Thanks for coming back and doing them. Um, well, hopefully this wasn't too much of a grind getting into the book, but but I had fun and I hopefully we uh, hopefully we uh, got some people involved. I appreciate all the questions. Very great, great questions. Things I I will think about. When we when we shut this off, but thank you for everybody who took the time to tune in. I am. Uh, we didn't even hardly we scratched the surface on our book report. <laughs> they they took over. So I appreciate. Hey, seriously, uh, I love every question, every comment. It makes the scrap so great. And Chief and me never know what's coming at us, so it makes it so much fun. Uh, Chief, do you have anything coming up? Anything you want to plug? Way people can get a hold of you. Anything you got going on? No, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about doing a Zoom thing of the Functional Fire Company. I, I, I want to get a little bit more out there. But, no, um, I'm, work, I'm, I'm working on a project right now, and I'll just give you a little taste of it. And I think it's going to be a white paper. And it's going to be a case for writing assignments based on the science of performance. So that's a little teaser. But, Corley, thank you for everything, man. I love the scrap. You're doing this every week. I don't know how you find the energy to do it. But keep going, brother, and I'll help you any way that I can, and and I mean that, uh, dude. It's one hundred percent the quality of the guests I've gotten to come oh. on. I've tricked into coming on here and talking to me. So you got some great ones, man. No, there's no Mike, doubt. Mike Keeney, Mike Walker, who's I'm a huge fan of, uh, Bobby Halton. You got some great ones, brother. I, yes, thank you, Chief. Uh, as always, I'm terrible at taking compliments, but thank you very much. I've learned to say thank you. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, other than that, everybody, thank you so much for the, the live questions and comments. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else I have going on. Coming up, I'm trying to do this better. Coming up on December 23rd, Walter Lewis is doing our Christmas scrap. David Hinoyosa on December 30th, and that will wrap up this year that we know as 2020. So, And then we're kicking it off with Daryl Liggins and Dave Mellon coming up in January. So it's going to be a good times. Uh you can always catch the scraps, the ones you've missed. You can find them any place you find podcasts. Chief Scott Thompson, thank you for being an unbelievably good guest on scrap number 64. And I expect to get invited back in 2021. Everybody have a great night. <laughs> Count on it. Everybody out there, I hope the tone stays silent. Unless it's burning, stay safe out there. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.